Now listening to Lost Cast, the Lost Decade Games podcast. Welcome to Lost Cast, episode 243. I'm Matt Hackett. And I'm Jeff Blair. Okay, uh, I know that you subscribe to Lost Cast and you know all of the comings and goings and you're updated to you all. You already knew all this, of course, Mr. Jeff. I do? Yeah. You know that uh, last week there was a bonus round of Lost Cast. There was? <laughs> yeah, I thought that might be surprising to you. So we did, um, last episode was, um, what was it called? That Humble something. We talked about how IGN bought Humble. Humble speculation. Right. And just by mentioning it, I get to put a link in the show notes. Love it. Here it goes. Just, <laughs> do you get paid by the thing. mention or something? <laughs> Not just kind for of. Who, but I mean, like maybe if I if I linked my my own podcast enough, I might get more people interested in it. So there you go. Yeah, we should okay. do another metacast along along those lines. Um, but yeah, near the end there, um, I, I had asked on Twitter because I didn't know what we were going to talk about yet. And we got some decent uh, questions. Uh, very happy with that, like a half dozen or so. So thanks for those questions. And then what I realized is um, we recorded the podcast and then near the end is when we started handling the questions. And just from the editing perspective, it was a lot easier for me just to cut the IGN part off at like an hour. And then we had another 15, 20 minutes of uh, the question answering. So I made a bonus round out of that. Oh, nice. Which is, yeah, that's exclusive to uh, to Patreon. I thought that might just be a fun thing to reward everybody for uh, for supporting the show and whatnot. Uh, it wasn't ideal that the questions were like publicly asked and then we answered them privately. So I, I didn't mean to do it that way, but I think we'll, we might do some more bonus stuff down the road because the response was really good. Um, all I did was tweet about it and then I mentioned it in our discord and we had three new signups for Patreon. Ooh, nice. Ooh, yeah. That's like, that might be a record for us for one week. So that's super good. And it might be because of the secret episode. It's like 15, 16 minutes long. And it's like a proper lost cast, you know? It's like a little quarter cast, right. I guess you could call it. I like yeah. that. It's like, a, give us your questions and then we will paywall them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I realized that later. I was like, oh, those are the... Uh, well, what are you going to do? I mean, it's, it's a podcast. <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> uh, so, the, you might remember, uh, know some of these names. So, how about this one? Aaron McLeod. Who, yeah. Uh, is, yeah, is going to appreciate... Um, not Aaron admiral awesome that's an in joke from discord nice you got you got to hang out with us in discord to get it uh also philip watson um i know these two fine gentlemen have been listeners for a long time and it's really yeah. cool to uh, very see old them supporting school. yeah very old school like maybe maybe from the very beginning we see that once in a while uh we'll get like a random email from someone who's like hey <laughs> i've been listening for like six years it's really cool to hear that uh so also tyler funk nice three new patrons uh super cool i'm i'm really excited and uh, i want to put more stuff up on the uh patreon i also i'm going to try this i'm going to have a robot speak um everyone's names that are in the five dollar tier i'm going to put that at the end of the episode (laughs) for fun for fun (laughs) yeah i like hearing robots speak and who doesn't love hearing their name you know you should have the robot speak translated versions you should run it through google translate first then have the robot oh, speak it oh man i i do love that did you ever see that thing that was going around the interwebs it was called uh the backstroke of the west no it was um i forget which it was a star wars movie it was <laughs> that's what they called um backstroke of the west episode three i guess it was episode three they did the revenge of the sith but it's like what they did was they they just took the um the captions the closed captioning and they piped it into google translate and it was like 
to Chinese and then back or something. Oh, and you no. get all these, all this hilarious, um, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Backstroke of the West. I completely forgot about it. And then it popped up again recently. And I was like, I love that. The first time I watched it, I just, I, I was like, I couldn't breathe during some parts. It was so funny. <laughs> love it. So yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to mangle everybody's names up. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Yes. It'll be your real name. Never fear. Oh, we'll see. It's just not as fun. <laughs> All right, fine. I'll do both. Wait, wait. I'll do the, the mangled names be just for Patreon. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Really getting into the Patreon. Uh, here's a bit of news. Jump developer. Remember, ooh, I get to link to another podcast episode. I love it. Um, Nephthys for games. So the Jump episode. Remember Jump? We got a yep. game on Jump. It wasn't that long that? ago, Matt. No, it wasn't. Let's see. When was it? Episode 229. Uh, yeah, it was. July. Wow. Oh, wow. Really? No. Like 20 episodes? No. Because it's what, 243? What? Yeah. That doesn't seem right at all. Wow. That's... Uh... <laughs> I can't believe how bad we are at that time. <laughs> All right. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. I, I seriously thought that was like last month, but no, that yeah. was several months ago. Uh, where was I going with that? Um, oh, Jump developer. so they're doing, um, they came out of beta, right? Or le- released a V1. Um, whatever they did, they, they made a, a big splash about it and they had, um, they're doing a jump developer spotlight. Oh, right. Yeah. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes to uh, jump developer spotlight it's got a video interview with yours truly and, uh, I don't know, like an article about us and stuff. It's cool. And then also, you know, check out Jump. Wizards Lizards on there. Get a little Wiz Liz action. Did you guys talk about Matt Hackett's Onslaught Arena? <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, that was beautiful. Yes. Man, I hung that over your head for a long time. <laughs> find a, let's see if I can find a reference. Yeah. To that. Where was that? It was Matt kind of Hackett. funny because I didn't remember that you did that interview for Jump. <clears throat> So it was like kind of a surprise when I saw it pop up in Twitter or whatever. Oh, good. I yeah. like surprises. It was good though. It was a good interview. It was. I'm very happy with that. So yeah, it's like another, I don't know, it's only like five minutes long or so, but uh, more content if you like Lost Cast. It's along those same lines. And this one, you don't have to pay for it. <laughs> it's not bad at paywall. <laughs> oh, you're terrible. Maybe I got to wrap quotes around that. Matt Hackett's on Slot Arena. Oh, it's the absolute best. <laughs> because it's yeah, like so. we we hate jeff blair or we don't even we don't even know about jeff blair. it's like worse than hate right it's like complete yeah. indifference <laughs> <That's true. laughs> who no yeah, oh. right. Back, oh nobody cares <laughs> good job matt hackett <laughs> oh i love it uh, okay so i'll put a link to that in the show notes be sure to check that out uh so this is gonna be a um kind of a free-for-all episode this is gonna be more um actually i don't even know if it's gonna have tangents because we're not really we don't have to have a specific topic (laughs) can you have a tangent if there's no focus yeah exactly yeah i don't know maybe this is gonna be like a a grab bag because um in our notes our notes are just stupid at this point and we need to get like get through some of this stuff i'm just tired of repeating it over and over (laughs) we need to get into it and, and chat about it um this is reminds me actually like when I was growing up my uh, my mom would cook for us uh, several times a week right and then at the end of the week usually like a Friday or Saturday or something there'd be a leftovers meal right yeah and it would be awesome because you'd have a plate and you'd have like mashed potatoes and gravy spaghetti and meatballs a hot dog and an egg roll it's like <laughs> what what it's <laughs> like, like being at a crappy buffet <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it was like I don't know I, I liked it more than your average meal because it had so much variety. And the age of the food is about the same. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, so like the egg rolls all soggy at this point, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. 
I love it. Subpar love food. It. Anyway, that's that's what you're getting this episode. <laughs> you're um, getting a reheated subpar meal. <laughs> Fantastic. Really selling this well. Hey, back us on Patreon, by the way, yeah, to right. get this to get this <laughs> subpar product. Um, okay, here's a random uh, art tip. I've actually been drawing a lot more recently. Have you? I'm very happy with that. Yeah, I did a little doodle and I tweeted it, and I was, and that's uh, that's a lot for me because like I even when I'm drawing a lot, I don't posts hardly any of it because i'm like garbage 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 <laughs> are you in that like trough of i guess i don't know if it's the trough of sorrow trough or whatever of, trough but of sorrow where you just despair. like hate everything that you're working on um i mean i don't think i've ever gotten to that point in art where i uh don't hate everything i'm working on wow there are some things in soul thief where i will grudgingly admit like all right that's and, and the only thing I really give it is it's better than the first game, <laughs> you know? Right. Rocket looks better. The wizard looks better. The environments look better. There's a bunch of repeat monsters that we kind of brought from the first to the second. And I think that they, for the most part, all look better. The animations, there's more frames and they're, they're snappier and stuff like that. <clears throat> That's it though. I mean, for the, for the rest of it, I'm like, oh yeah, I've improved like an inch over the last, I don't know, I've been drawing uh in earnest i guess i mean on and off but since since like 2010 right when we yeah. started doing ldg it's like yeah i can do that it's like seven years later i'm like oh this is so hard so what have you been drawing lately uh so i found i don't even know where i found actually i think it was pinterest i have to say pinterest not just for ladies i can use it too wow uh there was a well it has like a reputation about it for some reason i didn't even know this like people were telling me like use pinterest i didn't even know i was like is it i can use it <laughs> uh i found these dudes on um pinterest and they are called the etherington brothers and <clears throat> they have all these really awesome tutorials they give away and i've been going through those so i'll put a link to uh their blog spot uh and yeah if you know you're like me and you want to draw better then there you go some tutorials for you do it uh but yeah that's what i've been doing and i've been kind of working my way through it uh chronologically but um from that because you know once in a while we get some requests for art tips because we used to like it was every week for a while (laughs) for some period of time (laughs) yeah i have no idea i could take a random stab but yeah it was like i don't know months at least Hmm. several years ago there's lot anyway, there's lots of art tips used to be on the show. Uh but that's my current one is check out the Etherington Brothers <clears throat> and I love their tutorials. Um what I did, here's what I was doing. So I was going through and like the the first of them are pretty easy. There's like, you know, here's what I draw swaying fabric, right? Or like fabric draped over a chair or something. And like that's that's all pretty easy, right? But then later it was like um this is when I first stalled out because I had done like two weeks where I was drawing every day for like, I don't know probably less than an hour, but I would finish like one tutorial from them. Right. And then I got to, I think it was like a airplanes or helicopters and like it it totally killed me because every, I was doing like one tutorial per day and just finishing up. Right. Right. But the tutorial about, um, was it planes? Maybe I should look anyway, whatever these vehicles were, I was like, like, that's gonna, no, like that's gonna take me forever. And I also was like, um, you know, especially busy at work and then I had a trip and blah, blah, blah. Like life gets in the way. Right totally killed me um but what i did to finally get back into it remember we were talking not that long ago Ooh, i can put a link to this in the show notes there was um like how do you get back into a project when there's nothing but hard right like your next task is hard right like let me which episode was that 
It's very recent. Oh, was it Your Mind is the Ultimate Scare Factory? I love that title. <laughs> I have no That's idea. It's a really good one. It's the problem <clears throat> with those titles is they give you absolutely no indication of what I know. I feel kind of contains. like sometimes I feel like I should tell just say exactly what is in the freaking but that's not fun. I don't know. I'm on the fence about this sometimes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I children that... probably not included. You know exactly what you're going to get there. <laughs> not children. Probably not. <laughs> anyway, it was a recent one. This was within the last month or so. We were talking about projects and like, <clears throat> how do you get back into it when there's nothing but hard things to do? And that's kind of how I felt, right? Yeah. Um, so what I did was I skipped it. I was like, screw the vehicles and i went to the feet which was way easier and so, so i got back on the rails is it easier to draw organic stuff than it is to draw like machines and vehicles that's a good question i i think it depends a lot on uh how you like to draw and your style hmm. because the organic stuff if you're just going to draw it freehand i think yes absolutely anything organic like um i think trees are easy and like they're not very stressful to draw right and that's why, yeah. like, um, I, I think that, he, like, drawing the human body, especially faces and hands and stuff that people recognize as being, you know, very human is, is the hardest thing to draw uh, because you have to get the proportions and everything right or it looks really screwy and people, like, it doesn't look good to the eye, right? Yeah. Um, with the, like, mechanical stuff uh, and the hard lines, I think it depends a lot because some people might prefer to draw straight lines and very round shapes, like, rigid you know, especially if you're drawing digital um, and you like to draw with rulers or stuff that snaps to grid or just with like the line tool, right? Yeah. So I, I think it depends a lot on uh, on your style and stuff. But for me, yeah, I, I find um, like mechanical, like man-made stuff uh, really challenging. I can see how but, that's, yeah, like getting the symmetry, right? Symmetry is hard if you're just drawing freehand. Right. I imagine. Yeah, exactly. Um, so here's uh, my art tip that came from this. So that's what I've been doing recently. I've been drawing some Etherington Brothers stuff. Uh, and then it's also trying to draw for myself once in a while. And, um, what I did was I was realizing that <clears throat> the stuff I was drawing, cause I would go through several days of tutorials and be like, okay, I drew like some faces. That's great. <clears throat> that stuff starts to like bleed into your, um, subconscious, you know? And so what I did is I, I doodled this robot. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. I don't think it's the greatest robot ever, but I want to like... I want to give pointers on what worked, right? Because I'm a person who has a hard time cranking anything out most of the time, like art, especially for myself, right? Uh, right. But this piece just kind of came out and I don't like, I don't hate it. <laughs> so what I noticed is um, I just started doodling and I started with uh, a foot. I started with the robot's right foot and that foot came directly from, um, like I wasn't looking at, it at the Etherington Brothers tutorial when I was doing the foot, but it came from me having done the feet and having feet fresh in my mind. Hmm. <clears throat> um and i really like big bulky feet like i get um i think like, i like to draw the types of feet do you ever play Landstalker? i know i've talked no. about it before i was gonna say like, like hobbit feet maybe yeah like hobbit feet yeah um but there's this game Landstalker. it was it came out around the same time as our uh some of our favorites like shining force uh and i think it was about the same company Anyway, um, the style also has that Shining Force style, too, where, like, the feet are really big, like, the boots are really um, exaggerated, right. you know? yeah. I like that a lot. So, that's what I started with, and then I just kind of drew up the legs and up the body, and I was like, oh, I have a robot now, yeah. And then um, I wanted to put a cigarette in the robot's hand, because I like the idea of a robot smoking a cigarette, because it's kind of like... Why? Why would it... Ro- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I like it to not just be like, you look at it, and you're like, uh-huh. Like, there's a drawing, right? I want you to look at it and be like, you know, I want something there, Right. 
So I think you get that with the cigarette. And then the uh, the smoke I drew did come directly. Like, I followed the tutorial from the Etherington brothers, right? Which was like, here's how to draw some smoke. And so I drew uh, that from there. And really what that is, is like, <clears throat> you're gathering tools around you, you know? It's almost like, you know, a picture of Unity is the way that you make stuff. It's like, I feel as if I had installed new assets by having done these tutorials. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I've like a, a new library or a new framework. I I've expanded my tool set by by going you, through these, and now I have the ability to draw smoke and feet more confidently. Smoke and feet. I mean, yeah, those are <laughs> what you want to focus on. Yeah, <laughs> I highly recommend focusing on smoke <laughs> and feet. That's great, though. Yeah. I mean, that definitely makes sense, right? Like you can apply, and you can apply the smoke thing to something else, right? Like some other kind of gas or For sure. airborne. I, Something. It's got a lot of uses, like water. Um, the way that they uh, suggest <clears throat> to use it is like um, a ribbon. So you hmm. could uh, apply the same fundamentals to, you know, you draw in someone with like a... Like a flowy ribbon, <laughs> a ribbon. dress or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you, yeah, that's a good point too. You could apply it, like it could just be a belt, right? Like, you know, you, you followed a tutorial on how to draw smoke, but you end up using it to draw belts, which are kind of more your bag. But the point being that, like, you know, having that in your arsenal is, is only a good thing. Yeah. I, uh, when you were talking about Shining Force, and maybe you remember when I was drawing the Shining Force character portraits. Oh, yeah. I got through, like, I don't know, half dozen or so. Then I lost, I lost steam. You died up uh, climbing con- Content Mountain. <laughs> That's right, exactly. As we say, yeah. I wonder, because you had a lot of momentum. You were I remember you cranking them out for a while there. I wonder, um, for me, it's always like, oh, I got sick, or oh, we had a trip planned, or something derails me, you know, whenever I'm making good progress up Content Mountain. Yeah, I don't know what it was. I was doing it several days in a row. I was trying to do like one a day, which may have been too aggressive. You know, maybe I just like needed to not do it one day and then it just stopped <laughs> yeah i'm i'm a weirdo in that um i feel mentally like i'm on the rails or i'm off the rails and i uh i talk about this a lot how i'm like i'm very rigid and all or nothing yeah. you know so to me it's like i need to be kind of intense with stuff and i'll be like i'm gonna do this every day but then i miss a day because life like it's gonna happen and then i'm like well i'm not doing that anymore and i just like <laughs> defenestrate everything well, it's all gone now Here's what I was thinking is that like there's this sort of hump where it becomes like less learning and more execution, right? Like mm. I think when I was doing the Shining Force stuff, I it was sort of a challenge and like over the first like few portraits, I sort of like figured out what style I was going for and I got to a point where I was reasonably, reasonably happy with like maybe the third or fourth or fifth one I did. I don't remember. But then after that, it kind of turned into more of like a chore where it's like, oh, now I have to like Mm. draw this thing every day in this like whatever style that i was doing and maybe what i should have done is like tried to do it in a different style right or like you know added some kind of challenge to it instead of it just becoming like well now you have to work through this queue of all these faces that you don't necessarily want to draw huh. you know what i mean like i think that's one of the ways that you die on content mountain right is if your content becomes unfun to create for sure yeah hmm that's interesting so to you maybe it would have been more interesting and kept you going if something like this style uh was either you know swapped up 
uh, randomly or you would pick a different kind or something, right? Maybe. I mean, that's just a theory, you know, I don't know if it would have worked out in practice, but I definitely recognize that there was some, you know, cutoff where I lost motivation. And I think it's because, you know, I'm looking at this like, okay, well, I've done like, you know, six or something and there's like, you know, 28 of these or whatever there are. Yeah. You know? And it's like at that point it turns more and it, it seemed more like a chore than like a thing I wanted to do. And so maybe that's just it, right? No amount of <laughs> changing up would have helped because hmm. it was kind of an arbitrary goal to begin with. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, like when I started, my brain had this like, you know, it liked like, Ooh, a whole set, you know, like, Oh, do all the set in this style. Like that would be a cool thing yeah. to have finished. Like that piece of content in totality will have some kind of interest to it. I think I need that with stuff I work on some kind of progression. You know, it doesn't have to be a complete set, but that's one of the things that drew me to the Etherington Brother tutorials was I, I looked them up and there was, at the time, there's something like 70 or maybe 80 of them available. And there's, like, they're cranking them out faster than I can even <laughs> follow them. It's ridiculous, right. right? But what I liked about it was it wasn't, oh, here's 900,000 tutorials. And, and when you're trying to do something like, oh, to get better at art or whatever, right? It's an endless grind. There is no, oh, I did it. I am an artist now, or I have, <laughs> I've accomplished, no, like, it's just a daily learning thing, right? Like, there is no really, like, oh, you finished that class, and now you have been ordained, or you get a little hat or something. I mean, I guess if you're going to graduate from art college, it's a different story, but, like, I'm talking about um, even post that, or, or, you know, not doing that at all. I'm talking about, like, I just want to get better at drawing, right? <clears throat> yeah. Hmm. Um, but I think that sometimes that stuff can get overwhelming, right? Like, um, there was something I wanted to do, which was, oh, I wanted to do, like, I wanted to doodle all the Heroes of the Storm characters, and that's, not only was that intimidating, because there's, like, 60 or 70 now, but they crank them out, like, <laughs> Faster you know, than you could drop them. <laughs> probably, yeah. <laughs> so, it's like, I, I want something measurable, right? Yeah. I want to be able to say, like, I did this, I, you know, I read that book, or I, I completed this tutorial or something, but it needs to be like bite-sized enough to where you don't die on uh, content mountain, right? Yeah. I think this is some of the stuff that's plagued me with game development too, right? Is like getting to that point where it's like execution instead of, you know, building something new, you know, like it's the problem with finishing, right? Like starting is so much more fun and building something, you know, and then tweaking it till you're happy with it feels great, right? But then you get to that point where you're like, okay, now I have all the systems in place. I have all you know, the hard problem solved to an extent. And now it's just about repeatedly doing whatever, right? Making maps, making monsters, making new weapons that, you know, weapons are kind of fun because sometimes they can stretch the mechanical boundaries of the game. But at the same time, you know, like you can't do that all the time or else you end up with a game with all these muddy mechanics, right? Right. And that's kind of how we get there sometimes, right? Is the later like, oh, this will be really interesting to add because it's more fun than just iterating on like, the next portrait in the series or whatever, so to speak. Yeah. That's, that's a really hard part about making games and like, you need to keep it interesting. Right. Um, remember our talk recently about cuphead. Yeah. Ooh, I, I could put another link to another podcast, the show notes <laughs> cup dead. Eh, I don't know. C, give it a solid C. Uh, let's see. That was, I that was this, this month. Yeah. Maybe uh, D plus. <laughs> maybe <laughs> pretty brutal <clears throat> um yeah we talked about cuphead not that long ago um this month and so there's a video uh we've talked we have talked about game makers toolkit before 
and there was a video about Cuphead. And it has got a... I like the name of this. This is uh, the kind of thing where it's named... Uh, you know what you're going to get. How Cuphead Bosses Tried to Kill You. I like that. Very descriptive. Hmm. Uh, but this was interesting because it's like... Um, when you, when you were talking about earlier how you you died halfway up Content Mountain trying to draw all the Shining Force characters and maybe like you lost interest because things quit being interesting, right? right? Like uh, it seems more like a to do list for you. Um, in Cuphead, uh, so Mark Brown was talking about in this video, the bosses will have like um, set patterns, right? And then uh, what they do is they will throw you one more variable. Like we talk sometimes about one more ball to juggle, right? Yeah, and so I forget the name of this boss. I guess I could check in here real quick. It's the uh, the candy boss, and she was really interesting. I didn't find hers like I didn't it didn't make me want to punch a wall, right? It, it it mostly like I think I died maybe ten tops twenty times, uh, but the way it works is kind of interesting because in this boss, um, there's different phases, and the first one is like several different uh, mini bosses will come out of this like candy castle and attack you, right? Okay. And then um, while this is happening, uh, the game kind of gets harder. So the castle on the right side of the screen will start to spawn this little dude that runs at the bottom. I think I remember talking about him in the last podcast where I was like, I thought even the t- this tiny little dude has great animation. Yeah. Um, I think you, yeah, I remember you mentioned that. Yeah. Like that sounds familiar, right? Um, but then and in the third phase, not only are you dealing with this mini boss and these little dudes that are spawning out of the castle and, and like basically making the floor deadly like you have to be keep jumping right uh also the candy queen or whoever pops out of the top of the castle and shoots a shotgun right at you so you've got you know whatever pattern pattern the mini boss is doing as well as the spawning as well as the shotgun yikes and so between all those things um you know you can see design wise why they would do that is to keep it interesting right because if it was just you know, here's these three mini bosses you're going to fight and they're kind of spawned in random order. When you see like, oh, here's the candy corn again, you'd be like, candy corn's always the same. But because of the way the game is set up, you might see candy corn last, it seems like. And by that time, it might be like, okay, now I'm dealing with candy corn with the spawning on the bottom of the, on the ground and then also the princess shooting me in the face. So it's a, a much more difficult problem, right? Right. Well, it's like you were talking about when we talked about Cuphead about how the bosses sort of have this procedural element to them, right? Yes. Where the phases randomly show up. So what I'm saying is that in order for you to finish the Shining Force drawings, uh, someone's going to have to try to kill you. <laughs> with with a shotgun of candy <laughs> or something? Yeah. What have I taken away here? Uh, I don't actually know. Maybe maybe <laughs> if someone was chasing you with a knife. No. Um, I don't know. Maybe if there was a... I mean, that's why there's things, I guess, like sketch dailies or pixel dailies. Actually, right. I should put links to those for people who aren't familiar with those. Those are, those are really cool sketch dailies so it's like they'll give you um like a prompt right like a prompt exactly so it could be like you know you might be oh i don't want to go through my to-do list of shining force characters but it's like you know today is pixel art day or today is um you know uh, black and white day or today is you know sepia tone day and, and that might grab you right that random element right i mean you might, might suddenly be like i'm interested again because you know i saw something in sepia recently it looks awesome and i want to try it here's my excuse right I wonder if you could do like a game dev dailies type of thing, but for code and like game development. Oh, wow. Game like, dev uh, dailies. Just like a, you know, like a flocking algorithm, right? Could be one and just, you know, make something like really dumb, mm. right? To just canvas 2D, like the simplest API you can or whatever your chosen language is, right? That would, it would be open. 
Anyways, it's idea. something that I kind of feel like the web would be great for, right? Because you could share it very easily and like, you know, JavaScript and Canvas is easy. Um, yeah. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Like you could do flocking or like, you know, um, I don't know. That's the first thing that came to mind, but I'm sure there's other stuff if I thought about it. Well, someone should uh, steal that idea because we're probably not going to do it. Yes. <laughs> well, then it, that's, see, it's a perfect example in and of itself of content mountain, right? Like, yeah, I have this idea where I'm like, oh, that would be cool. But then like, I don't want to be the one to implement it because then I have to think of some kind of prompt every <laughs> single day. Like I'm the one that needs the prompt, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. So someone else has got to do that and prompt me. Prompts are interesting because um, they can turn me off sometimes. Like there was one time, that was a while ago at this point, but I was like, you know, yeah. I feel like doing some pixel art. So I went to Pixel Jellies and the prompt was like, you know, candy canes. And I'm like, uh, like I have no, and <laughs> you know, it's like nothing that's going to light my fire about that. You know, but if I had shown up and it was randomly, I don't like, I don't know, I wanted so much crap. Like Goblin Day, Dragon Day, Axes, right. Gort from Shining Force, like a Genesis games. Like I don't even know, right? What if you made it like a twisted demonic candy cane or something? It's like, you know, sweets gone bad. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> kind of what the Cuphead boss is all about. I mean, and I, I enjoyed fighting the Cuphead boss and I like looking at it, but I, I have, I feel like the stuff I create, I've got to have a little more uh, fire than that. At least if it's just, you know, this is something I want to make for me. Yeah, right? yeah, for sure. Candy is just not really my thing. That's fair. It's a little boring. I'm a chocolate guy myself. <laughs> Chocolate and peanut butter? Mm. But if you're like, here's some, you know, like, I don't know, nerds or something, I'm like, it's fine, I guess. <laughs> it's fine, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Are you are you a candy guy? You like candy? Um, I do. It depends. I don't know. Gobstoppers? I think I like chocolate better. Yeah. I mean, if I had to pick, but. It's funny. We talk about this sometimes. You're more of a savory dude. You're like, you know, you want like barbecue pork over like a, you know, candy bar. A lot of times. Yeah. Or like salt like salty snacks mm-hmm. mm. man if you salt some caramel i will i will melt oh salt caramel is delicious <laughs> that's all i gotta do just salt a little caramel yes all right game dev in here somewhere um <laughs> somewhere <laughs> so uh we we're talking about art talking about cuphead i'm gonna link to that in the show notes so um here are some things how about some rapid fire topics let's all see right. what happens lightning round <laughs> so design patterns anything come to mind um yes Ooh, <laughs> i was waiting for a no next <laughs> um well i don't know design patterns have always been sort of a tricky thing for me right because i feel like there's a lot of really interesting patterns but i, I find myself coming back to like just a few and those tend to be like classical inheritance just because man is it just sort of easy to use and very understandable right yes and 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 i mean not that it's like it's not the one-stop shop by any means right but classical inheritance i do think is the right pattern in a lot of cases if you're modeling something that's supposed to be you know an instance of a thing right and like obviously you know it has problems where it breaks down into like you know deep inheritance chains but i think if you end up with deep inheritance chains like then classical inheritance was perhaps the wrong right hammer right um that is a better case for like the component type of pattern right but there's a lot of instances where classical inheritance kind of makes sense right like here's an instance of a thing and you can instantiate it and it has these methods and properties and it has this internal state and you can access it or not whatever solves a lot of problems fantastic yeah 
Um, I mean, it also relates to how people speak common English or just languages, right? Like, uh, it lends itself well because that's the way you talk about it. Like, a dog is a mammal, right? A mammal is an is an animal, like a creature. Right. Car is a vehicle. It's uh, yeah, yeah. When you said it was, you know, understandable, I, I think that's uh, really important because programming is hard sometimes. You know, right? Yeah, and the, the more easier under- it is to understand, the better for yourself later or you know coworkers yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I just you know been playing around with some other ones too, and uh, another one I keep coming back to is the observer pattern, which mm. I think most often I implement as part of some kind of like event throwing situation, right? Like yeah um this thing emits events right like an event emitter if you're familiar with node.js or you know like add listener right in html5 dom add event listener right that's that's an example of the observer pattern um something i've been doing recently is moving though more towards instead of having like a classically inherited event emitter kind of like node.js does right uh I go towards like making um, these things called signals or I call them signals, which are just really instances of a sort of self-contained event emitter. It's like for a single event, right? So instead of having like, oh, here's my class that inherits from this event emitter, it's more like here's my object, which could be a class or could just be an object that has properties that happen to be things that you can attach multiple listeners to, right? Mm. So you'd have like a signal called like, you know, on finished, Right. And then, so on finished would be an object itself that has like an emit and a listen or whatever you want to call it, you know, kind of API. Yeah. So it's like composition uh, over inheritance. Right. So, man, yeah, listeners, uh, there was some code I was working on not that long ago. Um, and the way that I would have done it would be that I'd be dealing with an emitter. Right. And I just attach an event and bada bing, bada boom. But right. the way this code was done, because I, I even attached the emit, and it was like emit is not a function. I'm like, well, oh, oh, <laughs> doesn't work, <laughs> doesn't work. Yeah, I had to like completely uh, reconfigure how I was doing it, and uh, I didn't like it as much. But yeah, yeah, I really like the you know listener well, event listener. Approach. Really nice because it keeps things decoupled in a nice way, right? I mean, as much as you can in programming, like true decoupling is very hard, and sometimes well, it, makes it more complicated than it needs to be right yeah but like it won't break if the event doesn't you know get fired i mean right it could <laughs> it could always break but well, you know it's not just gonna have something that, that doesn't exist right? right like you know if it throws an event and nothing hears it then you know your program will break in other ways and won't uh usually throw an exception right right and like you just don't get the objects tangled up with each other as much as you would otherwise perhaps right yeah um, so I like that okay. pattern a lot. Um, something that I kind of waffle on is the decorator pattern. I'm like, it's an interesting pattern. So decorator pattern is like when you have an object and then you pass it to some kind of process that decorates it with either new information or new functionality or whatever. Yeah. Um, I feel like you can sometimes refer to it as mix-ins, right? Yeah. Like I'm going to take this thing and I'm going to mix in this other feature. But I haven't found like the perfect application for that in game dev quite yet. You know, like I've seen it used in a couple of places where I didn't love it. I've tried to use it in a couple of places where I didn't love it. And, you know, like the observer pattern has definitely, you know, when I think about, oh, events, observer, like fantastic. Like it's just, you know, makes so much sense. Right. Uh, yeah. I haven't found that for the decorator pattern yet. 
I don't really like it. <laughs> I I mean, I might eat my words later, but I don't. I can't think of an example where I've been like, that's great there, you know. And but there have been several examples where because uh, I think what happens to me is it's a bit of a gotcha, you know, because you might let's say it's a class, right? You go look at it and you're like, all right, I can see the methods here, I can see the properties, everything's making sense to me. Why in the hell does this thing have whatever it has, like new methods or properties have changed, you know? Right. And sometimes it's because like, oh, it feels a little magical to me. It's a little buried. Right. Right. You like do the things and you pass object in and the things are like, you know, completely changed how this class works or the properties of it or something like, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a fan right now, but I could be convinced. Yeah. I think it's, you know, just, you can't use it for the sake of using it. Right. Or like you, you can't, it's like kind of round peg, square hole kind of situation sometimes or square peg, right. round hole. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever doesn't work. <laughs> Whatever doesn't work, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, though. Um, and there's a whole like bunch of other design patterns that I probably don't even understand or use very often. Oh, Singleton is another one that I mm. uh, sort of love and hate at the same time. Mm, yeah. Uh, I love it for its ease of use, but I hate it for its ability to screw me over. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, it can be surprising sometimes, right? Yeah. And it's like, there's certain situations where, like, like the singleton pattern is never something I want to use, right? It ends up being something that I sort of resign myself to using because... Like you have to use. Uh, I mean, maybe that sounds like giving up or something. Maybe there's a better way to do it. <laughs> but like, I don't like... Like, I feel like the other way to do it is like dependency injection or something, right? Like, like let's say you have something that has meaningful state that you want to have many parts of your system have access to, right? Yeah. One way to do it is to just pass it around all over the place right it's like okay i make this one instance of this thing which is a class or something it has some kind of internal state uh and then you pass it around to everything in the world which <laughs> makes your api like convoluted and like just i don't know maybe it's the right situation right maybe it's just, it more just feel like there's baggage everywhere like throughout yeah. your whole application is sprinkled this like don't forget about me <laughs> pass this thing along this thing needs to crowd surf through your whole applications don't forget right. about it don't drop it yeah don't drop it yeah you gotta like, and you gotta pass it like three functions deep or something or more yeah it's like yeah this thing passes he's talking on the end of a parameter list yeah yeah yeah, yeah no, that's like, not great either it just makes your api kind of suck i think um <laughs> which is annoying and uh but then like the alternative right is that you have this singleton class that's like here's this shared global state basically and globals are bad and don't you know you're an idiot and you're like oh it's true yeah well yeah <laughs> i mean globals are bad but singletons are um at, at least the stuff that they contain like it's contained right right i don't know i i kind of like singletons i mean i use them a lot and they do their job well and uh we get along we, get along. <laughs> we don't fight too much uh, I, I think I, they're really ugly in unity or maybe just c sharp i don't well, really they're know. really ugly in, in almost any language right mm, mm, like yeah kind of because they pretty much are almost always a like i'm going to define a class but instead of exporting that class as constructor i'm going to export an instance of that class or like, uh, you have psych. like yeah or, change how this works <laughs> or you have this like get instance method on the class itself like yes, it just, I, i'm not a fan of that it's such a gross thing almost any way you slice it yeah i prefer the way it usually happens in, a, in our javascript um, stacks where it's like you know I'm gonna you know I'm got a module here and I'm gonna tack something on exports and then right. you know rather than returning the module 
uh, like the exports, right? Like I'm going to create a new instance of it and return that because it's just like one line. Yeah. Like you can go from uh, just a, you know, instantiable object to a singleton with one line in JavaScript, which is kind of nice. And I haven't seen that in C Sharp. But here's, maybe, maybe you can do it. Here's something that's really nasty, though, at that, uh, about that. And this is like a problem with Node.js uh, kind of at its core almost, the way it caches modules, is that it caches modules based on the file system path. So that can really, really lead to some unexpected behavior, right? Because mm. the way it works is that if you have that like module level state or you have a singleton inside a JavaScript module, uh, what ends up happening is that if you require that file from two different places, um, it will have that same um, same state, right? Which is kind of what you want. But if for some reason you're getting that module from like a different path, like let's say you have uh, a module that has a dependency on a different version of that same package, for example, mm -hmm. and you end up with like version 1.0 of package foo and version 2.0 of package foo you know those modules will get cached separately and so mm. their internal state will be independent even though they seem like a singleton right they're not actually shared so i, I feel Gross. like even singletons in uh in javascript like they're sort of easy to use because of the way that the module caching works uh specifically in node.js right this is not really a javascript thing because it doesn't even have modules to begin with mm-hmm I just don't, you don't even have the singleton problem necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you do and you don't, right? Like, uh, but you can but, create it for yourself. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> if you'd like to have that problem. Yeah, so would you like this problem here? Have to, um, <laughs> Go nuts. So that's really interesting. Actually, we ran into that, uh, pretty recently, that bug. Yeah. I was going to uh, ask if that was the same one that you were talking about. Cause that was really an anti-pattern is, is kind of like, oh, you know, we couldn't figure out why this was happening and. Uh, one environment but not another right and then right. it boiled down to the shared modules and it was like oh well here's an anti-pattern now like don't do this because <laughs> right. it, it'll cause bugs later right yep but there's situations where we use that and it's perfectly fine and i don't know of a better solution right like i don't know it's tough it is tough programming is hard. programming is hard <laughs> <laughs> oh i love it it's that's good stuff um Anyways, yeah, so design patterns. I'm still a big fan of, like, uh, the component pattern, entity component, which is kind of mm -hmm. like decorator, I think. Like, I, I feel like it's decorator, but, like, with a little bit mm. more structure to it, right? You know, instead of saying, like, augment this object so that it has, like, these direct properties, it's more like, you know, here's some sort of a system whereby you can plug in things that have their own, you know, kind of constant API, right? like unity's uh, component system right it's just like this component is an instance of this class right like yeah physics 2d or whatever it happens to be right yeah i really like unity's component system i do too I yeah a lot great. of the component stuff i've done i've sort of like mentally modeled after that a lot of the, the underlying ideas there really which is really just that like you have an entity that has components and those components are an instance of the like component constructor right um which is kind of nice. It's it's an interesting scenario, right? Because you have sort of the classical inheritance like meshing well with the componentization, right? Yeah. Uh, you just don't have like your entity be this deep classical inheritance chain, but you can still use both those patterns in harmony, I feel like. Yeah, I think so too. You just got to know when and where to apply each of them. I mean, all the patterns we've talked about so far, we make use of 
constantly. Yeah. I mean, those are kind of the big ones for me and there's probably some other ones and there's, I feel like there's a lot of these, like I didn't really probably even know the term for the observer pattern as such when I started doing stuff like that, you know, like using yeah. event listeners and whatnot. Man, I remember my first programming job, there was all these things that I had used because, you know, I'd been programming for many years, just self-taught, just kind of like, you know, reading books back before the internet would do that for you, show you here, here's how to do a thing. <laughs> Infinite YouTube videos. Right. Um, so I started working on my first job and they would start using terms that I was like, yeah, I don't know what that is. And I started getting really nervous, but a lot of them I had been using, I just didn't know what they were called. Yeah, in some ways, it's kind of like, you know, not having like a strong academic background in programming or computer science or whatever it happens to be, right? Yeah, you're literally just not speaking the same language. You're, you may be doing the same things. You just got to catch up with the terminology and stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, here's another one is scene graph, because that's something that uh, we didn't know what that was called. And like we started using it, we would call it like our view hierarchy or <laughs> node hierarchy sometimes. I think of it a lot like the DOM. You know, my first exposure yeah. to something like that was the DOM, and I never thought of the DOM as like a scene graph, but it's more of like a, I don't know what you call it, like a DOM structure. And Well, I guess it's just a document object model. Model, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right there in the name. Yeah, but we, because we went through a couple different though, uh, versions of those, like um, the scene graph. I think the, the first major change when we started working on uh, Game Engine together on Gen was that we needed the uh, like a proper scene graph because like, I think the way it worked is I had done some kind of first draft where it was like yeah everything works but there was no parent child relationship so it was really wasn't a proper scene graph because that prevents you from doing all kinds of things you're going to want to do with probably your game and def almost definitely your interface right it's like text that lives inside of a button right or tiles that live inside of a tile map right or like a shield that you put on a uh, like a character or a sword in their hand and they actually exist together instead of like they're oh they're just drawn kind of randomly all over the screen and hopefully you can like sync them up right it's like a proper scene graph uh, so basically like a uh, children in dom right? right a div and a div and a div in a span and then you stick some divs in there just to be a jerk <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, it's funny because uh i feel like a lot of the scene graph stuff i've done has been based in classical inheritance um and mm -hmm. I really want to have that be more componentized as well. Yeah. Like the scene graph nodes, like the, the root node can just be the root entity essentially. And then everything else can be a component. Oh man. I get to link to, uh, I think there's two podcasts we did about entity components. Oh, maybe just the one. Oh, wow. Oh, get this. Lost cast 27 entity slash component proponents. When you think that was what you what can you guess the year at least two thousand and thirteen? That was close. Two thousand twelve. Damn. November twelve or uh, November twenty eight, two thousand twelve. Man, long time ago. So uh, oh, I, we should go back and listen and just uh, cringe. Here's what we think about entity component systems after we've been <laughs> using them for a month, uh, probably. Yeah, <laughs> like a year or two, and now we're like. I've been using those since <laughs> Ot 12. Hot 12. I read a <laughs> fairly interesting article. Like, I don't know. I probably won't be able to find it. But it was basically this guy railing against entity component systems. And basically, mm. I think the generalized point was that, like, it's over-architecting a lot of times. Like, 
a lot of games or maybe a lot of applications, like you don't necessarily need all that flexibility, right? Like you're sort of architecting for something that you don't necessarily need. Like you might just be fine to have like, yeah, here's an object and it has these properties. And sometimes some of them aren't used for certain entities. Who cares? Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's not usually the the worst thing ever, especially these days because computers are really powerful and if there's some data tacked on that you're not using, I mean, who cares? Like, that happens a lot, you know, in our type of code, right? Like JavaScript especially. But, like, I don't know, the more I work on games specifically, the more I think that, like, sometimes you should just make it as simple as possible and no more complicated, right? Because the game is sort of like, I don't know, it's a commodity in a lot of ways, right? Like, you, you don't want it to be this, like, architected in the best way possible unless you're talking about something like yeah like if you're talking about something like like a long-lived mmo maybe right Mm. right or like some kind of gaming service right or you know like a triple a game like league of legends or something where you're constantly adding content to it right but if you're talking about a game where you're gonna like ship it and then you know move on to the next thing then you know not that you should make it sloppy but at the end of the day like what does it matter if you can add up teen million different kinds of components if like the game design itself doesn't really require it you know yeah someone in our discord uh posted a link to some terraria code yeah. and like if you're not if you're not familiar if you're listening uh that, that's like a huge indie hit it's like basically like think of a 2d minecraft where the sprites look like final fantasy 6 sprites it's so simple and it's very like cookie cutter, but it's so genius because it just, it's sold like 10 million. It's crazy, crazy indie hit. Right. Uh, but anyway, I was looking at the code and it was like, um, here's a, you know, <laughs> I don't even know, like a 6,000 line file <laughs> where it was, you know, Oh, what kind of item do you have? If item equals one, then change some stuff. If item equals two, then change some stuff. If item equals three. And it was just this right. just crazily long block of code for that. Right. right. Like just setting some properties on a thing based on an item, which, you know, you could easily see how that could be in a config. Maybe it's XML. Maybe it's just like each item yeah, has its own CS file or something, but does it matter? We obviously don't. Yeah. It doesn't matter because, um, that game has, is known for having a ton of content, uh, just so many different types of entities and weapons and items. And that's the whole thing. The game brings to the table, right? Is if you want to play a side scoring platformer game that you could just play it all freaking day <laughs> and almost never see the end. Like that's what that game brings. And you know, no fancy code needed if else, boom, right. All you ever need. Yeah. Or I mean, loop here and there. Chip it, it. Make, it makes me feel dumb for like worrying about programming problems sometimes. Right. <laughs> I mean, at least if your ultimate goal is to like ship something and like sell it, but that's like, okay. Ship the, the, if you stop there, shipping, we all, like what the hell are we doing if we're not shipping? Right. I mean, learning is good, and you know, having a little prototype just for yourself or whatever. But like, I don't know. Uh, shipping to me can't really be understated. It's it's very it's very important, you know. Because I mean, how much stuff have, have everyone listening and us like you make it and you sweep it under a rug, or you make it and you don't finish it, and it doesn't really do you any good. It doesn't do anybody any good. And again, maybe you came away with some learnings or something, but ship it, right? Like that's the most important thing. Like get get it out there, right? Finish it, even if it means a six thousand line file with a bunch of ifs. Yeah, and I mean, I was talking about this in a, probably this month, but there was this like side project I was working on, and I started refactoring prematurely, and I've been stuck there for. I mean, I haven't even worked on it in a while now, but uh, I was basically just kind of the equivalent of spinning my wheels because I wasn't really even learning anything new. I was just kind of refactoring some code that like 
you know, would benefit from it, but it probably needs to be refactored. I mean, I'm saying this now, I just want to punch myself. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that the, the prototype was far enough along to merit a refactor because not everything was yes. there yet. No. And Refactoring is the devil. Yeah, there's at least several days worth of, like, you know, valuable free time that I just burned up with, like, needs to be better, needs to be rewritten. <laughs> like, why? It was, was it, did it work? Like, yeah. Was it pretty? No. Is it prettier now? Like, a little. But what good does that do someone who's playing it? Right. Not, and does that even do me any good? Because I might not ever finish it because of that. You know right. what I mean? You, like, made it harder on yourself to, kind to of. climb Content Mountain. Yeah, and that's that's been something both of us probably because um, you know we both have engineering backgrounds, right? That's like how we've made our living for, for quite a while, and we have a tendency we over-engineer stuff. Yeah, and like for you know the first step, knowing is half the battle, kind of thing, right? Like the first step, your self-awareness is knowing that. The second step is like, okay, well, if that's the case, like what can I do to simplify code or whatever? Yeah, it's hard. It's a constant battle, right? Like it's just like anything else, right? You're always trying to make trade-offs and trying to uh you know tolerate whatever situation because you have to exactly no other good options or whatever like i don't know you can't ever get 100 percent of what you want i guess you can't always okay i won't i'll spare you <laughs> i won't do it yes. Uh, cool. That's going to be it for this week. Thanks for listening. Uh, at some somewhere in here, I am going to stick a big audio chunk thanking uh, our $5 patrons. You two can join us. Patreon.com slash Lost Decade Games. And we're going to have more uh, exclusive podcast content for you because it seems to be what you want. So uh, we're going to deliver. Um, I actually know what I'm going to play you out with, but where's, where's my notes? My notes. Uh, remember me so I'm gonna go back to uh, we just finished uh, Joshua Morris's Waveform X2 his brand new album and uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes but you should also check out uh, Waveform X which is his album before that and we're gonna play uh, play you out the first track on that one called Remember Me so that's it thanks for listening see you next week ship it Thank you to Anthony Cosgrave, Bradley and Mendershide, Chris, Riley, Philip Watson, Aaron McLeod, Jonathan Moore, Gary, Renes, Michael Fox, Pablo Farias, Navarro, Gibrian, Fultz, Simon, Stalvins, Key, Matt Flowers, Zane Wagner, Austin Smith, Isaac, Chris Gallup, Nathaniel, Bruce, Andrew, Lewis, J. A. Y. Jim Rice, Sven Claire Tang, Ben Rowan, Justin Lay, Vincent, Anton Fletcher, Kelly Mazuroski, James Watson, Dave Bilotta, Ben Sparks, David Waller. See you in the Tiger Hut.
Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs>